PenPod, internal medicine podcasts from the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. Hi, this is Katie Gutenberg. I'm a second year endocrinology fellow. Today, I will be talking to you about the evaluation and management of male hypogonadism. Let's consider a case. A 59-year-old man with a history of hypertension and type 2 diabetes presents for evaluation of erectile dysfunction and low libido. His BMI is 39. He has a normal testicular testicular size on exam. His total testosterone is 203. His sex hormone binding globulin is 9. The reference range is 11 to 80. And his free testosterone is 48. The reference range is 35 to 153. Hypogonadism should only be diagnosed in men with signs and symptoms, such as decreased libido, decreased spontaneous erections, loss of body hair or reduced shaving, and decreased energy, consistent with androgen deficiency, and unequivocally low serum testosterone levels. At least two morning serum testosterone measurements should be obtained. Testosterone should not be measured in the setting of acute or subacute illness. Assessment should include a general health evaluation to exclude systemic illness, use of certain medications such as opiates or high-dose glucocorticoid therapy, and recreational drugs that affect testosterone production. Eating disorders and excessive exercise can lower testosterone levels transiently. Long-term opiates suppress gonadotropin production and are associated with an increased risk of osteoporosis. Suppression is particularly profound in men on methadone maintenance therapy because of its long duration of action. Glucocorticoids suppress all components of the hypothalamic pituitary testicular access. Administration of more than 5 to 7.5 milligrams of prednisone increases the risk of hypogonadism and decreased bone density. The lower limit of normal for total testosterone in healthy young men is assay-dependent, typically around 280 or 300. There is disagreement regarding the treatment threshold in in older men. Some favor the lower limit of normal for healthy young men, while others do not treat unless the serum testosterone is below 200. Testosterone therapy should be offered on an individualized basis to older men with low testosterone levels on more than one occasion and clinically significant symptoms of androgen deficiency after explicit discussion about the uncertainty of the risks and benefits of testosterone therapy. Once hypogonadism is suspected, evaluation should include serum LH and FSH to distinguish primary versus secondary hypogonadism. A testicular exam should be performed. LH and FSH are low or normal in secondary hypogonadism and high in primary hypogonadism. In men with secondary hypogonadism, diagnostic evaluation includes a serum prolactin and iron saturation to determine whether hyperprolactinemia or hemochromatosis are present, as well as assessment of anterior pituitary function. The Endocrine Society recommends obtaining an MRI if any of the following are present. Serum testosterone less than 150, panhypopituitarism, persistent hyperprolactinemia, or symptoms of tumor mass effects such as headache, visual impairment, or visual field defect. Possible causes of primary hypogonadism include Kleinfelter syndrome, mumps arcitis, severe trauma, radiation therapy, and chemotherapy, although in many cases the etiology is unknown. Testicular size is typically small, less than 3 mLs, in patients with Kleinfelter syndrome. 
Free testosterone should be measured when the total testosterone is near the lower limit of normal and when alterations in sex hormone binding globulin are suspected. Patients with low sex hormone binding globulin may have low total testosterone, but normal free or bioavailable testosterone. Free testosterone measurements by analog methods are frequently available, but these measurements are affected by alterations in sex hormone binding globulin and are inaccurate. Free testosterone should be measured by equilibrium dialysis, which measures free testosterone directly. Common conditions that cause low sex hormone binding globulin include obesity, nephrotic syndrome, use of glucocorticoids, and diabetes. Common conditions associated with increased sex hormone binding globulin include older age, liver dysfunction, and use of anticonvulsants. The Endocrine Society recommends against testosterone therapy in patients with breast cancer, prostate cancer, elevated hematocrit, untreated severe obstructed sleep apnea, severe lower urinary tract symptoms, or poorly controlled heart failure. Patients with a palpable prostate nodule or induration or PSA greater than 4 or greater than 3 in men at high risk for prostate cancer require urological evaluation before initiating therapy. Recommended regimens for testosterone therapy include testosterone enanthate or sympionate, 150 to 200 milligrams administered IM every two weeks, testosterone gel, 40 to 60 milligrams daily depending on the preparation, or transdermal patch, 4 milligrams applied nightly to the back, abdomen, thigh, or upper arm. Therapy should aim to raise the serum testosterone into the mid-normal range. Serum testosterone should be measured three to six months after initiation of therapy. For injectable testosterone enanthate or cypionate, measure serum testosterone midway between injections. For testosterone gel, testosterone can be measured any time after the patient has been on treatment for at least one week. For transdermal patches, measure testosterone three to 12 hours after application of the patch. Hematocrit should be obtained at baseline at three to six months and then annually. PSA should be obtained annually in older men receiving testosterone replacement. Let's reconsider our case. Although your patient's total testosterone is low, his free testosterone is normal. In addition, his sex hormone binding globulin is low, most likely due to obesity. You explain this to your patient and do not start him on testosterone replacement.